Question? That was absolutely incredible. You know, just the words to the song. And then, do y'all realize how good we have it every week? What? It's like celebration. We, it's really incredible just how God uses the people here and, and the talents that are here. So just, just a great time this morning. You know, one of the things that, um, that we go and that I believe all human beings, that we all want to be a part of something, and that is we all want to have an identity in something. We, want to, we all want to feel that we're in a community of something, to feel that where we belong, to feel where that is our, our place, where, where we are to go, and that is our group of friends who we associate with. Um, some people, sometimes we find our identities from our families, and um, that's our last names, you know, and you are proud of your last name. Some of you may not, you know, and um, some of you may not want to even associate with your friends, you know, other people to see your friends. So, but no, we associate ourselves with our families and our friends, but then we also join a part of clubs and, and just there are clubs just across just a wide spectrum of different um, different groups of people. Um, one of the things is, you know, it, you see people with the Apple emblem on the back of their car, you know, then they're an Apple person, they like their 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 Apple products, and then another person, they may have just um, their little things on the back of their car, such as like how many um, family members and all that kind of stuff, and um, if you go by and see Pastor Dan's car, you go by and see that, those of you who see that, some of you may be Star Wars aficionados and, and that kind of stuff. And um, But then others, you know, you have the college where you graduated from or the college where you just, that's who you root for. You know, here it's either gators or bulldogs or, or that kind of things. And so we all have things that we want to belong to and things that where we want to find that we feel in a community of and, and just of, of who we are as a person. And that's where we're going to look to this morning. We're going to be looking into the book of Acts and, and diving into the book of Acts. And one of the things to remember we've got to look back on in the book of Acts is lead up, what's leading up to this passage and where this, what has transpired kind of before this passage to really understand how this group of Jews really kind of evolved into and became the early church and became complete followers of Jesus Christ. Now the Jews, some of these people, they had... They had they, had, they were just kind of watching everything Jesus kind of transpired. They had watched the crucifixion, um, and they were just kind of standing back, just kind of looking and observing as to what had occurred. But there was this group that had really just followed Jesus and especially had really just taken on the nature of saying that this Jesus was the Messiah and that this Jesus was the Christ and He was the Son of God. And so... The crucifixion occurred, and, and the resurrection occurred, and then Jesus, he taught um, the apostles and those that he had appeared to. It says at one point that he had appeared to 500, and he was teaching them, and they knew at that point that truly this is the Son of God. Jesus really is who he says he is, and their relationship towards Jesus completely transformed. And one of the people that you see really start to grab a hold, and he just completely changes, is Peter. Peter comes from someone who had just denied Christ. And then at the end of John, it says where Jesus asked, asked um, him three times, um, do, do, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me and do you love me more than these, these who I am? And so Peter just completely changes his whole nature and his whole personality of who he was. But the apostles, 
and, and the group of believers that were following Jesus at that time, um, they observed the ascension when Jesus um, went up into heaven. Um, and so they were just, they had seen that occur. And then they had observed, um, they had replaced Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, with um, Matthias. And after Matthias, you see Pentecost occur, in which the Holy Spirit just completely just falls upon the people and really a transformational in the life of that body of believers, and especially probably all of those who observed that event. But then right after Pentecost, you see Peter come, and Peter preaches just an incredible sermon in the Temple Mount, pointing to the Old Testament passages of who is this Jesus, that Jesus truly is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah, and to repent and be baptized. And what happens is just a mighty movement of God takes place. And it says at the end of verse um, 40, starting in verse 41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So you have this relatively small group sort of explode into around 3,000 people. And then you walk into the next passage, and it really provides more of kind of a summary moment of what had just occurred and what, why these people were like they were, and really what these people devoted themselves to. And you see their identity completely changed, and their identity is completely kind of merged with one another as the early church. And as while they were still Jews, and they were still holding on to their Jewish heritage, they were still practicing the Jewish um, acts such as going to the temple twice a day, praying at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., they were still a part of the whole Jewish nation, but yet something was changing, and they were starting to change and become more and more of this movement of called the way and those that were called Christ followers. And while the Jews, they were standing back, they were kind of watching them and kind of observing, and some of them you'll find later on in like Acts 24 where they actually referred to them as the Nazarenes, referring to the fact that they were the ones following Jesus of Nazareth. And so you see a picture where they start to kind of kind of grow, they start to create their own identity. The Jews consider them just another sect within the temple compound of those that were coming daily and worshiping. But what, you, what happens is it's so much more in this life. And it's just as if that is who their identity was. Their identity was found in Christ. And it's, and it's even for us, as we look at this passage, there's so many things that I believe that we need to look at. What these early believers, what they were devoted to, what their whole life was about, and then we need to take this and to be able to say, okay, where does this fit into our daily life and our daily routine? Because here's the thing right here. One of the things that I believe that is so missing in a lot of believers now today is, is their fellowship with one another. We can claim so much that we love the Word, and even there's so much that we are not spending the time in the Word of God like we should and having a deep love for the Word of God. But something else that is critical is just our relationship with one another and our relationship of just walking through life together as believers. And that's this whole concept that, that we may mention quite often around here and we may talk about, but what does this whole thing of life together and walking through life together, and that's what I pray that we'll be able to discover in this passage and to discover what happened in this community of believers. And the first thing that I believe that we can see is that this community, they were completely changed by the gospel, and they sought to live out the gospel with others. Because whenever you look at this passage, it says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All right, some people want to break that thing, break that part up into four different things. 
I really believe that whenever you look at this and start seeing the sentence structure and everything, that there are two main components in this right here, that the, what the early believers, what they were devoted to. Now, what you got to think, first of all, what does devotion mean to? It is just this, this complete just commitment to and this complete where you are just centering everything around that one thing that you're devoted to. And it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? First of all, you got to remember, they did not have the New Testament at that time. Okay, I know that's a revolutionary thought, but we have to remember they did not have the New Testament at that time. What they did have was they had the Old Testament, but they had the apostles' teaching. And this apostles' teaching can be summed up in, it was all about Jesus. It was all about what Jesus had done for them, how Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross. He came back to life for us and for them. And that they could have a complete relationship with God the Father as a result of Jesus Christ. They saw Jesus Christ. The apostles were the ones who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus. They were the ones who were able to see His miracles They were able to see whenever he interacted with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the ones who actually were able to sit around and eat bread bread with him. They were the ones that after he got through teaching through the parables, that he was able to sit down with them one-on-one and explain them out to them. Imagine the three in Jesus' inner circle. They They were able to see the transfiguration take place. The apostles' teaching. But then for them, it became so much more of who Jesus Christ was whenever they witnessed the crucifixion and whenever they witnessed the resurrection take place. And whenever the resurrection took place and then he still taught them for that 40 days that he was here on earth, it was so much more for them of who Jesus Christ was. And so it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And then it says that they were devoted to the fellowship. And I think that the whole the breaking of the bread and the whole the prayers really go right back into the fellowship. The fellowship part, it was the identity of the group. Just like even today we could look at the identity us as believers as the church. But that whole fellowship, the breaking of bread was that the breaking of bread was some people would want to say, well, it is a picture of the Lord's Supper. Some would say that the Jews had this feast called the love feast where they just got together and hung around. I really believe that it is a picture of both, that it is a picture of both them getting together, spending time eating together, hanging out together in their homes, and then they were reminiscing the Lord's Supper. They were reminiscing what Jesus Christ did and really how the bread and the wine is a picture of Jesus' body breaking because just that whole term breaking of the bread goes back to a picture of Jesus' body breaking on the cross for our sins. But then they were devoted to the breaking of the bread, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. They had these prayers who were actually really, uh, they had some set prayers that they said. But at the same time, you could even look at it just praying together, eating together, spending time with one another because of Jesus Christ. Outside of fellowship with one another, if you do not have Jesus Christ as the center of your fellowship, fellowship, you have just a regular group of people. But if your group of people, even if as believers, if you are joined together and your central theme is Jesus Christ, you have something special 
You have something different and you have something that is unlike the world has ever seen because of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel and how the gospel has completely changed your life. And this is the change that took place in the early believer's life was the fact that the gospel had changed your life and they truly sought to live out the gospel. They truly sought to want others to see the gospel and they didn't care. They were still going to the temple day by day just so others may see it lived out with them. But the second thing that, um, that happened as you walk through this passage, it says, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, many wonders and signs, they were doing miracles, they were healing people, but the key here is the thought that the, those who did not view Jesus Christ as the Christ, they were sitting back looking with awe and wonder of what was taking place. What that means is they may not have got it, they may not have understood it, but they were sitting back and they were, they were just kind of looking at it just kind of in probably like, you know what, that is pretty amazing because we have been friends with this guy all of our life, and for him to be completely changed like this, there's something special about that. And whenever they, they stood back and they looked at what, it, what was happening, especially the miracles, they knew that it was a supernatural work that was going on, but they were just completely unsure and just still not ready to, to understand that Jesus was to Christ. Here's what happens in the life of believers today. Someone comes to faith, Christ calls them to salvation, but what happens is unless true transformation takes place, they go back to their ordinary life as if nothing has ever occurred in their life. What a tragedy. If Christ is calling someone to salvation, that does, it does not happen like that. If Christ calls you to salvation, you are transformed. You are changed. The gospel shines in your heart and your life is completely turned upside down. And as a result, your family and your friends, some of them will look at you in kind of suspense of what is going on with you. Others will look at you in amazement and decide and that Christ shows them the same way that he showed you that they need Jesus Christ. Others, as a result, May, may call you crazy, may persecute you. But either way, it is still a miraculous work whenever the gospel transforms someone's life. No one can deny what has happened in your life. One of the most powerful things that you can say within your testimony in light of the gospel is the fact of what Christ has done in your life. People cannot refute to you and try to argue with you that that didn't happen in your life. People know what occurred. They looked at awe at them, and they were really unsure, but they knew that something supernatural was taking place. But the third thing, just as you walk through this passage, it says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, in verse 44, then in 45 it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You know what? The third thing about this community, they cared about each other. 
They had a deep sense of love and a deep sense of care just as their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, whenever you look at this passage and it says, and, and, um, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. Here's the thing right here. All right, we've got to be clear on, we have to address and everything. This is not, N-O-T, not a call to socialism or communism or anything like this. Okay, people have tried to use this passage of Scripture to argue for socialism or communism. This is not saying that. This has nothing to do with that. What this has in, to do with is the fact that these believers cared about one another so much that they were willing to sell things to take care of their brothers and sisters. And what they did was, it, it wasn't something that was mandated by anyone. It wasn't something that was forced upon them by anyone. This wasn't something that people made them do. But this was something that out of their heart, they said, you know what? We want to help our brothers and sisters who are facing, maybe some of them were facing persecutions from the Pharisees and Sadducees. Some of them were just, just part of the poor and they wanted to bring them up because one of the things that actually could lead to that, to that thought is back in Deuteronomy 15.4 which says, But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. So there was just really this need that they were wanting to help those who were poor and less fortunate with them. But there isn't a call here either to sell your house and give all the money through this. Because if you start looking through the rest of the New Testament, they still have their houses. If God told you to do that, then do that. Be obedient to what Christ is calling you to do. But what they were doing was they were just trying to get money and to raise money to help their brothers and sisters who were in need. They showed care for them. They had a deep love for them. This is something right here that I want to challenge you with and get you to start thinking about. When is the last time that you and myself had truly, genuinely cared for another brother and sister in Christ? When is the last time that God has so convicted you of that person's need that you really wanted to do everything that you could to take care of that person, to help that person, to help them overcome the hurdles in their life? You know? But this isn't just dealing with a, a physical type of need where we give someone money. I believe that whenever we help our brothers and sisters in Christ, whenever we're walking through our life with life together with brothers and sisters in Christ, we also learn what their emotional needs are, what their physical needs are, what their spiritual needs are, and we start to learn how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We start to learn how to support our brothers and sisters in Christ. We learn how to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of us just like together to get together and complain? You're crazy if you do, okay? Here's the thing right here. Don't get together and complain. Get together centered around the Word of God, but get together encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging the ones in your groups that you know are hurting, praying for them, calling them, writing them cards, not just letting them hang out the dry. Because that is where people, they need the support of other brothers and sisters in Christ. In the early church, they really took this serious so much to the point that they sold their belongings just to help others. Just so others who were in need could feel loved and supported. 
but they did not do it just for good works. They did not do it just to serve others. They did it out of their love for Christ and what Christ has done in their life. And that is where we have to be careful, very, very, very careful about missions, and especially like social aspects of missions, because that we don't get to the point as a body of believers of just doing good works, but we get together as a body of believers and we are showing love to others because of the gospel and the transformation power of the gospels. I think one of the most incredible quotes that I've ever heard in regards to missions and that that kind of things was um, from John Piper who said, missions exist because worship doesn't. And I started thinking about that. I was like, what? Missions exist because worship doesn't. Our goal, number one, as a body of believers, is to the glory of God. Is to come in here, worship God, worship the Father, worship Jesus Christ. Then after worship, whenever we are having worship, our heart is to see the nations, starting with Nassau County, Florida, U.S., the nations worship Jesus Christ. Not about just good works. But the final thing in this passage, just kind of as, you're, as we walk through this passage, was that in day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were spending time together in the homes eating meals. If you notice two times in this passage, it talks about eating together. I think that's pretty strong. I like to eat. Do you? Why not eat with other believers? You know, and, and besides eating together. Now, some of you small groups, y'all got this down really good. And, and I hear about some of this, and I'm just like, man. But it's good stuff to eat together. Spend time with one another. It's okay. We want you to. All right? But the final thing in this passage, they were eating together, but at the same time, while they were praising God, having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number. They had favor with the people at that point. The unbelievers were looking at them kind of like, okay, this is a good group. This is another part of us. These people are going to be just like us. They're just going to be another group of of people within the Jewish compound. But this whole favor is very short-lived because what happens in a few passages later on, you'll see that the persecution begins on the early church and the early focus in the book of Acts, which was really on the focus of how the gospel was to the Jews first and then it was to the Gentiles. You see the focus change in the book of Acts from the Hebrews and then it's focusing in on the Gentiles and Paul's missionary journeys and Peter still kind of fades out of the scene and and. Paul is the strong, dominant person throughout the rest of Acts. But the whole key was persecution began on the church. The favor ended and persecution began. But the Lord throughout the entire book of Acts added to their number. What you see about this is not a promise. 
You do not see this as a way that man can coerce things and cause emotions to make people excited and draw them in. You don't see this as just to create big, elaborate things in order to to attract people. What you see that as a church, we need to be faithful to the Word of God, faithful to the fellowship with one another, and then the Lord added to their number. This is a picture that God was sovereign over this matter of adding people to the, to the early church. This was a picture of um, that God was sovereign to save the people. God called them to salvation. But this was also God's sovereignty in what I believe is just an incredible picture of how we organize the different political, um, different nations to really make an incredible opportunity, the perfect opportunity for the spread of the gospel in the first century. Because if you go back to Galatians 4.4, which it says that in the fullness of time, that whenever you start examining and thinking about the fullness of time, was that one of the key components of that time period was that they had a great road system to be able to travel back and forth in that time period from the Romans. The Greeks gave them a common language. The Hebrews gave them a common religion. But God used all of this stuff to put together, and there's so many more things that you can examine to look at how God orchestrated that it was the perfect time for Jesus Christ to come into the world and be the redemption of mankind. But it also shows that this was a perfect time for the spread of the gospel across the Roman Empire because it was only a few short years that God used Paul and others to completely spread the gospel across all of the Roman Empire. That there are some reports that Thomas may have went as far as India. There's some reports by 2nd century of going, making it all the way up to Ireland. I mean, it is just amazing whenever you read church history and understand how quick the gospel spread over the entire known world at that time. And God was in charge of that. This wasn't man doing this. God used these men. But at the same time, how can God use us as a body of believers right here in Nassau County, Florida to make an impact for the gospel that's never been seen before in this whole county where families are healed because of the gospel, where people's lives are transformed because of the gospel? It is the power in the gospel that saves us. It is not the power of us just doing anything and coming to church on Sundays and then leaving. The power is whenever we understand and we realize the power of the gospel in our lives. And as a body of believers, we are centered around this word, wanting to know more and more about God the Father, more and more about Jesus Christ, more and more about the Holy Spirit. And then we are, while we are learning these truths and trying to work these truths out in our life, we take these truths and we work it out together with a body of believers because we need each other as a body of believers. Each of us need each other to walk through life together to work out the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. One of the most amazing concepts as Americans is the freedom of religion that we have at this point of time, but at the same time, the ability that we have to have fellowship with other believers, and yet how many of us don't take advantage of it? And the ability of so many across the world who they are just alone as believers. Those believers are sitting in prisons. Those believers are in nations that are close to the gospel. And yet they strive and they thrive. All because of Jesus Christ. 
even if they don't have the Word of God. I believe that is a call for us this morning. As a body of believers, we have got to stay true and hold to the biblical model right here in this passage. We have got to hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have got to show the world the transformation power of the gospel. But at the same time, as believers, we have got to be involved in each other's lives, encouraging one another and walking through life together because of Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of you, um, if you don't know, kind of like, like my story and everything, but whenever we moved down to this area a couple years ago, we really, <clears throat> I came and I was, I, wanted, I was coming to church and I was going to be a part of that, um, but I didn't want to be involved in a small group. I didn't want to know anybody because of the fact the previous went through, I was on staff at a church and um, went through a church split, dealing with all kinds of drama and all this kind of stuff, then went and attempted to do a church plant and just, man, just fell flat on our face. And it was just, it was just coming through the, the hurt and the pain of what people had caused that I just didn't want to have anything to do with other believers. And so we came to this church and we, um, my family, we started attending um, Mike and, uh, and Jimmy. They came and visited our house the first time. And my goal was just to get out of Nassau County as quick as, time, as, quick as possible, move on to the next position. But, and Mike kept, he encouraged me. He was just like, Chris, y'all need to go try some other churches. I was like, I don't want to try any other churches. I found the church. I think I'll keep going to celebration. But we started coming and God started to work through the power of the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of the word of God. And then it came, my wife, she started telling me, we need to get involved in a small group. And I was just like, I don't want to be involved in a small group. You th I do not want to know other Christians. And uh, <laughs> no offense to any of you now. So and I'm glad I want to get no more of you now. So, but, um, and so we got involved in a small group. And... Um, one of the things about small groups are that they can get, sometimes you, you will not get along with everybody. That's okay. You work it out. You love each other. And then sometimes you need to go behind the barn and settle it. And uh, not really. Don't do that. So, but um, at the same time, though, the small group was a body of believers who loved Jesus. And they loved his word. And I just remember the fact of just getting to know them. Now, here's the thing. Whenever you first go to a small group, it's awkward, okay? You get into a small group, you're like, you're, if you're new, you're the point person, man. You're sitting there and you're like, I hope somebody talks to me. And everybody else is like, do I have to go talk to them? I don't know them either. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like whenever you go to a small group, it's awkward. It fades sometimes. Not all the time. There's still awkward moments. No, but what happened was God used a body of believers and through the preaching of the word to really heal my heart and get me back to a place where I wanted to serve God in ministry again. And I never imagined in a million years that I would ever be here at Celebration Baptist Church. And so for me, I am a testimony of the word of God and of the fellowship with other believers. And you know what? 
Some of you, you need that fellowship with other believers. You've got the word of God, but you need that fellowship. You need that time where you're not getting together um, and just studying the word all the time. But whenever you get together and you start talking about the word of God, God is changing and working in your heart through this word and through the Holy Spirit's power. But then you start hanging out with each other and you become friends. And you're able to show care, to know what is going on in each other's lives. And you just start to love each other like you never thought that you could love another person, especially other than your family members. But if you have lost family members, they start to become, these people in your group, they become so close to you because of your love for each other. But it is not because of your love for each other that holds you together or keeps you going. It is because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the only reason why this happens. And it is a beautiful picture of what I believe heaven will one day be like whenever we get there and we're worshiping our king and we look around at our fellow brothers and sisters and say, can you believe that we're doing this right now together? Can you believe that we are on our knees together worshiping our king? But one day, one day, believers will be joined together. And so this morning, how will you respond? Some of you may be, God is calling you to respond to the calling nature of the gospel. And you need to repent and believe. Some of you just need to pray and repent of you not wanting to get close to other brothers and sisters in Christ. There may be times that you're hurt. There may be times that they kick you in your fanny because of you living in sin. But that's why we have them. And then they encourage us, and we walk through life together. And maybe some of you are saying, you know what, I'm ready. I finished the essentials class, and you're ready to make this as your church home, a full-fledged member here at Celebration. But during the invitation, me and Pastor Jamie will be down front, and you can come and respond. But let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel And we thank you for the power of the cross and how it set us free from our sins, dear Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll just instill a ever-needing desire for us to be more and more and more in your word and more and more and more in fellowship with one another because of you. In Jesus Christ's name that I pray, amen.